This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Raptors faithful and welcome to the wrap up live your post game show by the Raptors Republic community where we are jo- doing this after the Raptors beat the Washington Wizards 114 to 104 to improve their record to 37 and 38 still can't get that 500 mark but uh maybe maybe next one I'm joined by Aiden Moss and um we we said we're going to start with the good, start with the good stuff the Raptors did in this game, which was a blowout for three of the four quarters. And then we'll get to some of the bad that happened in the third quarter there. But um, just generally starting with the good, Aiden, what what did you like about the Raptors approach today? What do you think they did well to, to kind of earn this win? For the most part, I think um, there seems to be like a general confidence with this team that maybe prior to that little win streak last week didn't exist. And it seems to be kind of ironically that self-confidence leads to confidence in others. Let that be a lesson to us all with our friendships maybe, but you know, like there's a, there's a lot of ball movement. There's a lot of like giving up the first shot to find a better shot. And we didn't see a ton of that um you know throughout this year there it seems to it there was a lot more of like you go i go kind of stuff and in the first quarter especially i mean it always helps when you're hitting your shots and freddie and og were just lights out and that makes everything easier but just generally speaking it feels like there's a lot more cohesion um and i really haven't spoken on here much since pertle has come but i think like he having one less mouth to feed on that starting lineup, like you, you're really seeing them kind of gel and come together in the first quarter, especially you saw that. Yeah. Yeah. The ball movement started good, was not good in that third quarter, but again, we'll get to that. Um, For me, I think it was on the defensive end of the ball that stood out to me because especially in the first half, like they were just turning the wizards over again and again and getting out in transition. They end the game with 13 steals the Wizards have 18 turnovers and the Raptors have 28 fast break points. And I felt like the majority of that was done in the first half where their length overwhelmed the the size of the Wizards in this game. And and I'm like sitting there on my couch and I'm like, this happened against the Pacers too. It's like, it feels so silly that some of these teams are just like throwing these passes around like OG Ananobi and and Pascal and it's like come on like know the game plan take care of the ball you got to do that stuff against the Raptors but I also imagine being on an actual court with you know Fred and then four guys who are six nine and up it would be pretty difficult to like have those passing lanes and and even when it looks like a not a non-risky pass it ends up being one so yeah, I thought I thought they were really swarming guys on defense. Fred had that one like 
dig down where he hit the ball like four times. I think it was Denny of Dia. They swarmed Denny, and that gave yeah. Fred the ability to just like keep taking whacks at it, finally get it loose and go the other way. So I did think, uh, yeah, their their ability to swarm and their length played a big factor in this one. Yeah, I mean, it, it helped that without Beal and Kuzma, you don't really have most guys or any guy. I mean, Abdia is a great playmaker, I think a little bit more in transition than in the half court. And DeLon Wright doesn't want to have the ball in his in his hands all that much. So, you know, not having Beal and Kuzma, it was ripe. They were ripe for the attack, essentially, you know, like making making guys feel uncomfortable for making them make a pass more quickly than they otherwise would when typically they're probably, you know, the receiver of those first passes. So, um, yeah, I think we exploited that quite well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was I was going to say something bad, but again, I think we should wait on that front. Um, <laughs> Any, I, I feel like OG and Fred Van Vliet were the obvious two guys who carried the Raptors through this one. OG had like 18 points in the first half. I think that quarter. was a career high. First quarter at 18. Sorry, first quarter, and then like none in the second quarter, maybe two. Yeah. And then Fred, uh, just a good all-around game from him. Hit a couple, like his three point him and og made nine of their 11 threes so yeah. i guess that's really what i'm saying like when you don't have gary Trent jr in the lineup you need a certain amount of attempts and makes from three and i guess in a game like this when you're really thankful that og and fred both had it because the wizards really heated up behind the arc and at a certain point it's just a math game but so without og and fred hitting those shots i don't think the raptors would have won this one yeah, no, it, and it. I was thinking about it as I was watching the game on like analysis, and you know, sometimes it really just does come down to like they hit their shots tonight. Like we've seen so many games where they don't, and it's like they play well otherwise, you know. Um, but yeah, they. It, I think with OG shooting, like I mean, he's four for ten from three, was great. But I, I think what what really stands out to me is like the the. He's hitting a greater variety of shots, and I wrote about it on Friday. Like his mid range, um, his mid range jumper has been like his percentage is at like 57, 58% in the last 10 games. Um, and you can see it like he's sticking those step backs, he's hitting the, the wide open ones, and he wasn't hitting those earlier in the year. And when he is just kind of a knockdown shooter, like a dependable pull up guy, um, it, it does really change the dynamic of this team. Like for so long this season, we haven't had OG as a reliable score and you can kind of see like how much he alleviates spacing um, for this team. Yeah, for sure. And, and since he went into that starting lineup, like I've said this on the show, he had to be more aggressive shooting the three because now there's even less shooters in that lineup when Gary goes to the bench. And that's really what I like all of that mid range stuff it kind of catches me off guard and and it's really promising, but it's still small sample size. I have to see OG do some of that stuff over a longer period of time to really buy it. We'll see. It would definitely be nice. Um, but he took 10 threes today and like that aggressiveness shooting the ball with just an inch of space is what I really like because he is that good of a shooter and like he has to know it and behave that way, especially for this team to, to succeed. Like guys, Scotty, Pascal, OG, they need to be taking three-point shots, even if it's not their go-to shot. They just don't have the luxury of, like, 
stepping into the mid range every time because there's not enough guards around them who are going to take those shots. Um, yeah, and and yet, like, not to get into the negative here, but um, and yet, like, hold on, I'm just scrolling down to. Uh... Before we get in the negative, because I'm pretty close to getting to go there, I just want to give quick shouts out. Chris Boucher, I think he's been really good. Yeah, like, I was going to say him as well. Maybe the first couple months of the season were, were a bit slow for him, but like most of this season, he's been a real big boon off the bench. And there haven't been a, like imagine if he had a down here, how bad this bench would be. They really have gotten some consistency out of him. He's figured out ways to consistently impact a game with his havoc creation. And so I think shouts out to him. Shouts out to Def Jeff, Jeff Downton Jr. Do you want to talk about Jeff Downton Jr. versus Will Barton? Minutes? Yeah. Um, I was ready. I I actually haven't hated the Barton minutes. Like, he's playing point guard, which he doesn't want to be doing, clearly, um, and, and has made the sacrifice to do it. And I think he's done a fine job of kind of being a, a linchpin passer. Like, I've, I've kind of noted a few times where he hasn't even hesitated with the – like, Will Barton is uh, a scorer. Like, he's a Lou Williams type. Like, he, passing is not in his nature. And and he's really deferred to that role, which I appreciate. And and we don't have a lot of guys on this team other than Doughton who does this. So, I actually think, like, Barton hasn't been terrible and his shot would eventually come. That being said, I have been on the Doughton train, as a, have a lot of people for some time now, and I do think it's a shame that we signed Barton right when Doughton was kind of like hitting, hitting his stride. And you see the you see that actually for him as a as a court commander as like on ball like handler like it is natural for him to be a passer. It is natural for him to find the open guy and to defer to them. And I, that's desperately what this team needs. Not to mention he's a good on ball defender. He can hit his shot when he's open. Um, so I'm, I'm doubting over Barton now. Yeah. All I'll say to your point about Barton is that he does take some bad shots, even if he defers and, and Doughton never does that. Like Doughton will never take a super aggressive, almost to a negative, almost, almost to a negative, but I would rather that on this team than Barton because there's a lot of mouths to feed and Barton kind of coming out of the gate, just shooting like these contested mid range jumpers or these step back threes it's not for me um the defense is so clearly will uh jeff Doughton so much better yeah the, the and... poke behind from barton is just nauseating to watch although he got one today and it's like nick tried to play 10 guys today and we're at a point in the season where like i would rather all of those minutes go to jeff Doughton. like obviously barton got the injury and i hope he's okay but I've said this on the show enough times. I'm just there. Precious Achua did not play in the second half. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I think, and I saw someone tweet this, which I, I think is a is good insight. Um, and it's probably true for Precious too, but I, Chris Boucher seems to be playing better with Coloco. And exactly. it makes sense, right? Like Boucher, first of all, Precious can't play the backup center minutes. We've seen how that's gone. Boucher plays kind of like a Time Lord, off-ball, rangy, athletic shot blocker with Coloco in the middle, as is Coloco, Mm -hmm. frankly. But Boucher, it really gives Boucher a lot more 
uh, ability to orbit with a guy like um, Coloco on the back line. So I shout out to Coloco. Um, I think he's yep. given a, he's, his defense has been a lot better. He's been a lot more disciplined uh, on his rotations. He's not getting caught with uh, I don't know how many fouls he had today. Three. Had or, three sorry, fouls. no one. One. Yeah, it didn't right feel here. like he was fouling much. Um, one foul in 15 minutes, which is like a must be a record for him. Um, so I think I think he put in good minutes, and I like that we now have a backup center. Lo and behold, we're a big team. Look at that. Um, so yeah, Coloco yeah. gave us good minutes. I would like to your point. Those Chris Boucher and Precious Achua minutes have been bad all season, but Precious has been good beside Coloco and Pirtle. So I I would like Precious to be in the rotation beside one of those guys. Um, because ultimately I just want this guy getting minutes, even if yeah. he's not all that helpful, but yeah, uh, we're at a point in the season where it doesn't look like Nick really cares about that stuff and hard to blame him because precious did not play well before the injury. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then the hamstrings, the excuse, I will say just quickly on the precious thing that I will never understand nurses rotations. I like you mentioned the 10 guys today. Like I, it, it was just like, it looked like he closed his eyes and just randomly pointed at the bench on like who's coming in and where, like I've tried to find rhyme and reason and it's, and it's quite hard because you find it for two games and then it completely switches. But I do think there's a way to incorporate all three Coloco precious and Boucher and Doughton in a meaningful way. If, if nurse really wanted to, um, and, and yeah, so yeah, I obviously he's not in nurse's best books right now, but I think, I think you can accomplish both and he's choosing not to right now, but it could just be that his hamstring. He's just, easy yeah, it's interesting. Cause he did play really badly prior to all, all the benching, but the bucks game, which was his last game, I thought he was really good. So then to see him only get six minutes after that. And it's not like he had any noticeable errors in those six minutes. He was fine. Um, it's a little surprising that he doesn't, Sorry, it wasn't six. He got some garbage time minutes. So I think he played four minutes in the first half. And then, Precious. yeah, I was surprised he didn't get back in the rotation. Like, ultimately, if you want to reach your upside as a playoff team, you want Precious playing well. He is a really good defender. Say what you will. And he feeds into their size and stuff. So you want to get his confidence high. And I don't think six minutes is doing that. But we'll have to see how it plays out. Because uh, you're right. The hamstring injury will probably nick be Nick Nurse's excuse when he gets asked about it in um, post-game today. Um, Scotty also looked rough coming off an injury. But yeah, they, those guys should get better. In terms of that third quarter stuff, like I, I'll start here because I was watching... Did you watch the Pistons game by chance? The Raptors-Pistons yeah. game? Yeah. So when I was watching that game, I was saying to like the people I was sitting with, like, It'd be nice if the Raptors didn't play like a team that's just trying to get their individual numbers. Because as soon as that game was like up by 10, which was pretty early in the second quarter, they just started kind of playing individual ball. One guy takes a turn shooting a step back three. Siakam goes and and like I felt like it was very like selfish basketball. And they, they got away with it because that Pistons team was like a tank team, like the definition of it. But I said like, It'd be nice if the Raptors built some good habits in these types of games and kept moving the ball and kept defending and kept, you know, not just playing this, I'm going for my numbers type of game. And I felt like it kind of came back to bite them in that third quarter where 
They got off to a big lead. They were confident coming out of the break. And then it's a lot of just my turn, your turn. We're not moving the ball. We're not making the extra pass. And then on defense, we are just not challenging three-pointers. Um, so I, I, I don't like that's, I guess, what's wrong with this team is that like they're, they're not doing those little things to build up habits. They still are too hot and too cold. And even in a win like this, there are some major red flags, I feel like. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's like we beat a team that was missing its two best players, arguably, and Detroit is whatever. And then Indiana didn't have their best player and we lost them. So, like, there's not, there's not a lot to build on here. That, that being said, I still am confident in this team because I feel like very slowly they're building something that looks – actual like foundational like i was saying earlier um it's just not there yet and and part of it like it's hard to know what the cause is it looks like you know based on the reporting and stuff that they don't like playing with each other that's like one theory the other one is that at least from my like perspective it's like yeah we we know we're a playoff team and it's just like we're just waiting to turn it on until we get to the, playoff, to the playoffs, which is a horrible mentality to have. It's like they don't, they haven't earned that right. It's kind of like, yeah, I was listening to Zach Lowe. They talk about that with the Warriors. It's like they're just waiting to flick the switch or the Celtics, maybe they're talking about that. They're waiting to flick. And you kind of get the same vibes with this Raptors team. Not, not deservedly so, again, but yeah. um, it's very concerning. And, and, I'm conflicted because I, on the one hand, when they're locked in and there is the ball movement and there is the team play and the shooting is going, they look freaking awesome. And, you know, I, you spend two weeks watching March Madness and like you watch all of the system play and then you come to the Raptors and it's just like, it's even more glaring. And before it, it was glaring. So, um, yeah, but the skill is amplified at the same time. hundred percent. There's no question. Although the skill is getting better in college. I have to yeah. say like, the, I haven't finished the Texas Smart, uh, Miami game, but man, that was a good game. Um, that's a tough loss for my guy Marcus Carr. I, I was, yeah, I was so, rooting for him. Um. Anyway, I. Uh, you're right. Like the third quarter is just a horrible, like thing to see. You want the killer instinct, like the Milwaukee Bucks, where you just want to snuff yeah. them out immediately. Um. But yeah, it's like an immaturity thing. Yeah. 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 And, but I'm, they've. I guess also the silver lining is like we were seeing so much of that over the course of the year when it just felt like this season was was like a disaster, which it kind of has been. And they got out of it. Um, and so like so you could call that progress, I guess. That's true. Like instead of it being one game on one game off, now it's more like two games on one game off. Like the yeah. Pacers game was pretty ugly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's fine. Okay, you want to talk about this? I don't know how many thoughts I'm gonna give to be honest, because no, I don't know. The report is that Ime Odoka could draw interest from the Raptors or Rockets this summer. The reason I'm not gonna speculate too heavy is because I've never heard of Steve B. Hoop, and I have a rule in life <laughs> that I only listen to things that Woj or Shams tweets. Like my friend, my friend texted me. He's like, "Did you hear about the Andrew Wiggins rumors? Do you know about these?" No, the reason why he's away. Okay, I'll tell you after. But he he texts me this like crazy rumor, and then I'm like, until Woj or Shams tweets it, I'm just gonna ignore what you said. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So what what thoughts do you have on this email? Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't. We didn't even need to talk about. it. I just thought it was kind of <laughs> interesting. I mean, the implication would be 
I think for him to be reintegrated into NBA society, he's probably going to have to be an assistant coach. I can't imagine him being a head coach, especially after Brooklyn tried to do it and then just got flamed for it. So, Oh, I think you're underrating the NBA's moral compass. I definitely am not underrating their moral (laughs) compass. I'm just saying that like the PR fiasco that occurred should be indication that they won't try this again. I could be wrong. I disagree. Um, but okay. anyway, well, so then the implication could be that Nurse is not going to be there in the summer, or the implication is that Nurse needs to beef up at their assistant coaches. Uh, right. I read it as a head coach because the Raptors, the Raptors and Rockets being picked as these two teams are the two teams that have had the most noise in terms of a coaching change being needed from the outside, obviously, like from fans and analysts and stuff like right. that. So I read it as, as a head coaching thing. And I also don't think Ime would take an assistant coaching job. Um, I think if it's not this year, then he'll wait another year for the the noise to die down. And he'll get a head coaching job. But I honestly think it could happen as soon as this summer. Like, you're right that Brooklyn got some pushback, but that was within the same season. I think you let a summer go by, the noise, the heat comes off. I'm not saying this is right or wrong. Like, I want to be very yeah. clear about that. He, yeah. he did something wrong in that organization. Um, but the NBA is not like some sort of like league that's going to reward the nicest people and like he's clearly a good coach a team is going to give him a chance like people have done much worse and gotten a second chance in the nba so yeah but i the only counter i totally agree with you all of that the only counter is we did just see isaiah thomas get hired as a consultant with the suns and then within like 35 minutes (laughs) the sun's backtracking and being like oh yeah right he's an abuser asshole like actually never mind we're not hiring him so you know, if the if the if the kerfuffle is big enough, anyway, it's all yeah. And I think the Raptors are an interesting like example because as far as NBA teams go, they are pretty good. Like they they're by no means perfect, but like you see a guy like Terrence Davis get charged with sexual or uh, domestic abuse, and they ship him out that that trade deadline, yeah. right? Like they're not perfect because they got an asset for Terrence Davis, but a lot of teams would have just held on to him and ignored it and wait for the di- noise to die down. I think the Raptors are better than a lot of organizations, but they we, also aren't perfect. Did we ever get a conf- – I don't want to go down this one too. Did we get any confirmation on what the Adrian Griffin stuff was all about? No, I don't know about that stuff. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of an interesting one that faded away. Anyway, back to the yeah. uh, Wizards game, the third quarter. I did want to say with the OG thing is that in the third quarter, he had a grand total of two shots. Yeah, um, you're right. I wanted to had, bring that up too. He had eight in the half. Uh, he had, what did he, yeah, he had six in the fourth quarter. So he got, they kind of went back to him. Like, surprise, surprise, when the game was tight, they, like, you know, yeah. had to get back to what was working for them. But, I, you know, I think it's evidence to what we're talking about. Like, the hot hand, guy's going for his mm-hmm. career high, and they go, com- like, completely away from him. It's just inexcusable. It's inexcusable as teammates, especially for guys like Freddie and Pascal who get theirs every goddamn night, mm-hmm. and they can't feed the one hot hand for, like, more than a quarter. I like I find that very frustrating and concerning when OG's already expressed being disgruntled. Yeah, that's exactly the thing. It's like that is how you back up the point about guys wanting to get their numbers is that 
these guys are not used to not taking shots and letting I think OG took 10 shots in the first quarter and and they're not used to that and and instead of letting the game kind of flow the way it should have um he bar- he didn't get his first shot until like 2 minutes left in the second quarter so they did a terrible job of that again some of it is not having a ton of like pure point guards on the floor to manage yes, a game exactly but also some of it is a selfishness and a need to get your own shot and like it's not hard to get OG the ball in the post or to get him you know like a a, a look yeah, or or to actually run a play for him as the point yeah. guard and say like, look, we're gonna run something to get OG a look. Um, it's and, not hard, but it takes uh, like a selfless mentality, and, and it, that is what is not always there. And I I wrote about on Friday like how Freddie has been playing the best basketball of his career, in my opinion, in the last couple months, and mm-hmm. distribution is a huge part of that. Like his assist percentage is way up, his assist per game is way up. And you can ten see it like per game almost since like the trade deadline, almost 10 assists per game since the yeah. trade deadline. And, and before Pirtle, it was like six and a half or something. So it's really jumped and, and you can see it too, right? Like he's being much more, I mean, a lot of it is coming off the pick and roll with Pirtle, but he's being much more conscientious of finding the open guy, creating uh, a disadvantage and then exploiting it as opposed to him you know, shooting that pull-up shot, which is a fine shot, but is not necessarily hitting it. So he went away from that a little bit today. I don't know what his assists were. Do you offhand? Uh, he had seven assists today. So Barnes so had six. That's lower for him. And I think, like, to your point, he, he's he's not a true point guard. He's never going to be a true point guard. He's never going to be Kyle Lowry. But the closer he gets to a Kyle Lowry, I think the better off this team is. For sure. Or Scotty is maybe going to turn into that type of player because he's more of a pass first guy. He has yeah. some of those instincts too, but he has to develop that handle tighter if he wants to have the ball in his hands, like like Fred does. It's actually, anyways. No, one last thing. Yeah, yeah. It was actually why I like the the rotation of it was Barnes, OG, Doughton, and I want to say Coloco and Boucher. And, yeah, and I the really, guys who started that fourth quarter and went on. I run. really like that lineup because, to your point, like Barnes can't be the full time point guard just by virtue of his like lack of ball handling skills. So you have Doughton who can who can kind of do that, and they they, they can share the responsibilities. Um, and Flynn and Barnes have this a little bit over the course of the year. That you know the, the problem being that Doughton neither Barnes or Doughton are really knocked down three point shooters. But I did like, I liked that lineup also because it made OG a primary scorer, um, him and Scotty. And like, I don't think it's going to succeed in hyper competitive uh, scenarios. But generally speaking, I did like the dynamic that it created. Yeah. All right. Are we ready to move on to the tax man? Lay it on me, man. I mean, I think it's OG Ananobi pulled up some film here. But yeah, we talked about him. 10 three-point attempts, super aggressive from the three-point line, made a lot of them. Had that mid-range game going ooh, right here is a little fadeaway mid-range. Three blocks. Um, three blocks, damn. If you if you have him on your fantasy team, you're happy. And yeah, they should have found him a little bit more, but um especially with Gary out they really needed the the shooting from him and Fred and, and those two guys delivered and those guys, but especially OG. Cause he, he really set the tone 
Canam Taxman of the game. Go to canamtax.com or or call the number at the top of your screen and get your taxes done because I'm pretty sure you're late and they'll 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 get the money back that you deserve. All right, any last thoughts, Aiden, before we get out of here and I go eat my dinner at nine o'clock? I love a good like late dinner. I feel like I'm Spanish or something. Um standings implications. So they are now half game ahead of Chicago, ninth. Atlanta is half game ahead of them at eighth. Atlanta owns the tiebreaker. Brooklyn's back into the sixth spot. Is that right? Uh, looks like it on my standings here. Yeah. Wizards and Pacers are tied for 11th. So the Pacers did, are technically 11th. Did the Hawks win is the question. I think they lost. They did they lose. lost to Memphis. They did lose to Memphis. And um, I needed blocks today, I was telling you earlier, in uh, fantasy. Jaron Jackson Jr., Five blocks might have saved my season. Is this are these standings updated? Do we know that? Can we confirm? No, I, I can't confirm anything. Okay. Anyway. No, they're not. We're thirty-seven and thirty-eight now. So yeah, that's what it says. Not on mine. Whoa. Mine say thirty-six and and thirty-eight. So yeah, I, I got, think the Raptors are I now tied with the Hawks in record. Yeah. All All right. Right. We just reported complete inaccurate data, but hey. We'll hey, we'll be, a couple hours. we'll be back on Tuesday after the Miami Heat game to report some more inaccurate data about the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us. If you're listening to the podcast, thanks for listening. Always uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Raptors Republic, and, and follow us on Twitter because we generally tweet the link out from the Raptors Republic account when we go live. And yeah, we'll, we'll be back Tuesday. Have a good night. Peace.